said and she said you need to pay attention If they make the comment then it's worth the mention Jamil and Shatora you know they got the scoop At work talking about what black people do If you ain't real then you probably won't feel this It's all facts you know they coming with the realness Or pettiness either way you are getting it Uncut, unfiltered, and unedited Lifting up the culture, you know how it's gotta be Making words work, give it to you tongue in cheek Forget that water cooler, we like tea sweet This is boss talk reserved for the beast sweet Beast sweet, beast sweet Boss talk is reserved for the beast sweet Beast sweet, beast sweet Cool it out or you'll end up on that beast sweet What's going on, everybody? We are back for another episode of the B-Suite Podcast. What's up, Shatora? Okay, so I haven't done this in a while. What's good? Ooh. Oh! <laughs> Yo, you throwing it back right I now. Just, I just, you throwing I just. it back right now, man. Yo, energy that, is on 10 today. Yeah, Your girl is feeling energy, great. I'm going to talk about energy in just a second, man, but it's, we just want to welcome everybody to another episode of the B-Suite Podcast. The best podcast in all of the podcast Absolutely. land. I'm Jamil. Alongside my lovely co-host Shatora, What's you're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> I'm you doing been? good. Yeah. I've already said that. I'm great. Yeah, good. That's I, yeah fantastic. it's good. So to I'm see having you. A, an amazing day today. So um, you know, I was just I was in Mexico. Uh, yeah, I haven't seen ago. you for a while. Right, right. So you know, I had to you know do a little quarantine thing or whatever. But um, so I was in Mexico for a little while. It was a whole thing being down there in Mexico. But um, long story short. Uh, we, you know, I DJ'd the wedding down there. Okay. And, you know, when I DJ weddings or any place, uh, anywhere I DJ, I like to get involved. I like to dance, you know. So. Well, you dance in your sleep. Yeah, so. yeah. So, <laughs> so I came out on the dance floor, um, played this Elephant Man song from uh, back in the early 2000s. You know, yeah. When we were in undergrad. Yeah. And um, the, the song was Crazy Hype by Elephant Man. So long story short, um, Elephant Man, he, um, somebody tagged him on it today. On, on the on the video clip. Yeah. And he reposted it like a thousand times in his stories. <laughs> a literal thousand times. Yeah, and then he and it was like really like a 10 second clip. I mean he yeah. just kept reposting it over and over again. And then he he posted it in his feed. Yeah. Right. So then I uh I I reposted him reposting it in his feed. Yeah. And then we started hitting each other up in the in the DM. So he sent me this message on um on like a voice message in, yeah. in my DMs. And I couldn't understand nothing that man was <laughs> that, saying. That's why I got to all you. All that past, I was, that, I was I the, 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 the beginning part and the last they part. They claim it's English. All that's, no, I can't. It's, it's fast, I, too. Yeah, I understood, understood Wagwan and um, Big Up Brethren or something like that that he said. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Everything in between. So I had to have my man that's translated dope. for me. Yeah. But it was just so amazing, man, because, like, you know, despite all of the craziness that happened at the wedding, um, everybody had a good time. And that, that clip was, just, was amazing. Yeah, Go yeah. to at Jamil Cruz. Yeah, follow yo. If <laughs> follow me on Instagram at Jamil Cruz, I posted it um, in my stories. Uh, you can see it. I'm mean, gonna post it on my feed too, so it can it live, was cute. It can live on. But it was a whole vibe, man. Yeah, no, it was. That needs to go on like the Black Man Can or Millennial Married on their feed because yeah. it was it was a whole vibe yeah it, it was it was it was, yeah, I was getting super, it super super dope so shout out to my guy deval his uh his newlywed wife um uniqua uh they they just just an amazing couple uh deval's like my brother uh got a new sister now um, um with his wife and we just had an amazing time down in mexico man, man. Yeah. that's a vibe man what's been going on with you though and, and anything new going on with you <laughs> I know you Not always got something going on <laughs> I'm just having a good time yeah. like i i'm just loving the the warmer weather and everybody knows if you know me you know i'm an outdoor cat so i like the outdoors i like to hike i like to I like tennis. I like to bike. I like all that stuff. So we gotta get on these bikes soon too. I know we do yeah. our bike rides yeah, usually, yeah, yeah. so we need we do need another bike ride coming up. But yeah, yeah, yeah. last week I did a bike ride for like two hours, and I thought, you know, like I'm fit, I'm good, man. I could not wake up the next day. <laughs> I was tired, but I think I got a tiny little tan. Oh, Y'all can't you. see it, but okay. you know, I got you know, I'm living that life where a tan means something. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but no, I'm. Just like I, honestly, I saw a meme and it was like, you don't think seasonal depression is a thing until it the weather breaks and you feel like you popped a Molly. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's a fact. That's a big fact. But listen, okay. So let me talk about my hikes real quick, right? Because this is like a spiritual experience for me. And when I, I'm out there and I love to bring people on my hikes, especially like people who haven't really been hiking before. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because I, I took my homegirl last week and she was like, I'm sorry. Can we just stop for a second? Because I feel amazing. Mm-hmm. She was like, please don't think I'm crazy. And I'm like, nah, man, like that's that's the whole thing is like this is that natural high. Like, you can't get this anywhere else. So um, I love seeing people just, like, feel the energy and, like, mm-hmm. soak up the fresh air and the sunlight. Yeah, yeah. If you follow me on Instagram at underscore Shatora, you'll see my tagline is solar powered. So, you know, like, I mean it. Like, the sun really, ugh, it's everything. It man. does something. And, and, you know, we only get limited amount of, like, you know, good weather here in Buffalo throughout well, the, yes. of the year, you know, so we, uh, we got to soak it up while we Listen, it, I'm know? storing it up. But apparently, you know, vitamin D is fat soluble, so you could store it. I got enough places <laughs> to store it. So, you know, I'm just, I'm out here and it feels, feels good. Like I really like, ugh, I just, I love being outdoors. I love, I love sleep mm-hmm. and sunlight and, and rest. And it's, it's good to be in a new season and, and feel rejuvenated. And, you know, I love seeing friends and I yeah. haven't seen you in a while so yeah, it has it's been a good a look bit. so I, I i was happy when you walked through the door today i'm like was, oh she's back i haven't seen her in a minute we did like the slow ride into right. each other yeah <laughs> but nah that was good though um i'm excited i'm excited today we have a really really special guest with Wait, us so you know how i say this i can't take credit for this okay i can't take credit for this one but you know my little saying I like to bag black chicks. <laughs> <laughs> I love to bag dope black women. And just like, I don't know, for, for no other reason than, you know, I can't. And so this is actually. She's dope too. This is actually like your connect, but I've quickly made her my connect. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm just, I'm, I'm really excited now. to know, to know her. And uh, and and to have her on, so I know we do this. We go on and on and on, like it's some crazy secret. But go ahead. Nah, I'm I I have uh, so much respect, yeah, uh, admiration um, for um, this young lady. She is doing so many amazing things, uh, oh. not just here in Buffalo. I mean, she's global at this point. You know, not Yo, just, like she's she's just doing amazing. It's just a matter things. of time before she's a household name. Like, yeah, that's no, for absolutely, sure. absolutely. And I'm glad I'm like, yo, that's my friend. You know, I know her. You know what I'm saying? So, and and we actually have a really a really good relationship. So I'm so excited to have uh, Miss Kelly Diane Galloway uh, on the podcast with us. Do we got the clap? Do we got the clap? Do we have that? Yeah, I think we got the clap. Yeah, it's clapping right now. Yeah, but it's clapping. Okay, right now, you know, so, they can. Yeah, they can hear it. Okay. <laughs> so um, before you know, we uh, uh, have her. Say a few words, uh, inspiring <laughs> words, because she's going. She's about to inspire y'all asses. I, I promise y'all that. You know, uh, I just let me read a, a little bit about her. So um, Kelly is the founder and president of Ramp Global Missions. It's a Christian humanitarian organization that serves the needs of the broken, impoverished, exploited, and hurt around the globe. Um, since the uh, since an early age, um, Kelly always had a passion for helping people. Uh, her service to the community began when she was only six years old. Mm-hmm. Um, alongside her parents, uh, she helped prepare and serve meals to those experiencing homelessness in her hometown of Buffalo, New York. Uh, she worked in local um, clothing closets, community centers at the age of nine. Uh, she converted a room into her childhood home into a tutoring center. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's amazing. Wow. <laughs> that's, that's, that's incredible. She's man. not normal. Yeah, she's not. Like, no. She's just superhuman, man. Yeah. You know? Um, her heart has always been uh, been to help people and those uh, who may be considered the underdog, disadvantaged, or forgotten. Um, she is, as I mentioned, she is also the uh, founder and president of Project Mona's House. Uh, Mona's House is an organization uh, where they look to rescue uh, women and girls around the world uh, who were uh, who have been. Uh, exposed to um, human sex trafficking mm-hmm. you know so uh, she has this amazing a lot of amazing initiatives um the freedom center 
the walk, the freedom walk. We're gonna talk about all. We're gonna talk about it all. We're gonna talk about it all. Yeah, but we want to officially welcome you to our podcast, Miss Kelly Diane. Let's go. What's up? I'm happy to be here. This is millennial magic in the house. Wait, I have one burning question. Go ahead. Go ahead. Who's Mona? Mona is a woman from the Dominican Republic that I met while I was living in Thessaloniki, Greece. She was, um, she is married with three small children. She was manipulated into going to Turkey. She thought she was going to be a housewife. Mm. I mean, um, not a housewife, but a, a housemaid. Mm-hmm. And she was forced to work in a brothel. Long mm. story short, she, she escaped, made it over the GNC into a refugee camp. Uh, where she only spoke Spanish, and they knew she didn't belong there because that was a 2015 Syrian refugee crisis, mm. and people in those camps only spoke um, Arabic, Turkish, Kurdish, and maybe some English, mm-hmm. and she didn't speak none of that. Mm. So um, she made it into that house that I was working in in Greece, and she literally changed my life forever. Um, she was garmented. Her garment was gratitude, mm-hmm. and I realized how... Um, ungrateful i was in life and mm. um yeah she changed my life and she made me realize that i've already survived 100 percent of my worst days mm. and that my tomorrow is gonna be better than my today and two mm-hmm. days from now is gonna be better than my tomorrow mm-hmm. so because she embodied hope i named my, my restoration home after her because the people that i house what do they need the most of hope yeah really this world needs hope the uh, you said I, I, I told y'all she was going to inspire listen, y'all. I, I could we could spend the rest of this podcast just unpacking that. Mm-hmm. But you know the 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 part where you said I realized how ungrateful I was for my life. You know, one of the things I do in my work is I call it perspective awareness, mm. and that's he. You get it, mm. and what what that is is really just like opening us up to the fact that the world is much bigger than what we think it is mm-hmm. and it makes one extremely grateful for what they have yeah. when you can expand your perspective and that's what that's what Mona did for you yeah because think about it you know we grew up in these microcosms and we feel like the world is just that and we don't give, we don't lend ourselves the opportunity to see outside of our worldview. Mm-hmm. And once we can, you're not, we're not saying that you have to adopt it, but just open yourself up to see it. Right. Lend yourself some the mm-hmm. opportunity just to do mm-hmm. it. And so I think that um, exposure breeds two things. It it breeds um, desire, mm-hmm. and it also breeds um, experiences. Mm-hmm. And so I think if we have if we give ourselves the opportunity to be exposed to different things, it can, it can allow us to live a more fulfilled life mm-hmm. because when we, when we lock ourselves into just one way of thought, you rob yourself from so many other great experiences and people mm-hmm. from all around the world. Zeal. That's a very kind of biblical word, right? It can be. Yeah. And I, whenever I think of zeal, I kind of just think of like living life on fire, uh-huh. you know, just like really embracing all of the uncertainty yeah. within life. But using that as the thing that that motivates you to yeah. do more. Like, I don't know. I'm just I love. I it want zeal. <laughs> I, I, I don't want my zeal to to. to 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 fizzle out yeah. i think i, I like that I, I like equating zeal to fire mm-hmm. because the same thing like in order for fire to, to the old the what we said used to say in church the old saints to say fan the flame fan mm-hmm. the flame meaning like let we i want this fire to spread and i want that same thing because we do we can do something for a little bit of time and then over time we get so tired because of life and because it's sometimes people being not being ungrateful, not being grateful, mm-hmm. and so it it kind of wears out our zeal a little bit. But I think, yeah, I need I need to think about that a little bit more. I don't I don't want I want to always be zealous, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but zealous with experience because sometimes when you first get into something, you're a novice, mm-hmm. and so you're a zealous you're a zealous novice. <laughs> but think it's think dangerous. about how powerful somebody is who's wise, with wise with Ugh. zeal. Can't, who can you stop can't stop them? So let me uh, let's rewind just a little bit. Okay, we just, <laughs> we just, we could, we could. Listen, I could do this all yeah, day. I, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> um, 
I want to. We talked a little bit about in your introduction, just a little bit of your backstory. Yeah. You know, you've been super involved at a very young age. Um, let's fast forward to that that moment where you um, you realized that you wanted to give your life to this cause of human trafficking. Kind of take us there. Like, mm-hmm. what what was mm-hmm. it that made you? get to that point where you, you know, cause I know the story a little bit, but you know, I'm sure you, you can explain it a lot better. Mm-hmm. Um, so can just talk about that a bit? Um, it was probably around like 11 o'clock at night. My homeboy, I call him my brother, one of my best friends, Darrell. He was like, he called and he said, Kelly, I have this red box called taken. You want to see it? Mm-hmm. And so I was like, oh, yeah. Wow. So I lived in this I lived in this apartment complex called the Vista, seventy six twelve Timberlake Road in the Hill City of Lynchburg. And he came because he lived in the backwoods and he drove all the way over there and we watched this movie. And while we were watching it, I thought that it was the most phenomenal movie I ever saw because on the inside of me, I always wished that I could do stuff like that. <laughs> and um, you want to like yeah, stab somebody just, in the in the neck like Liam Neeson. <laughs> <laughs> I will find you. <laughs> so, but then when the film left when the film ended I really and the credits came on and they were talking about how the things that we saw were depiction of depictions of things that really happened Mm -hmm. then I realized that I couldn't unsee what I just saw I couldn't unknow what I just learned and I'm burdened by information I'm burdened by the things that I see I feel I feel for things that I feel like God feels for and if this was true, then why wasn't anybody in my circle talking about it? And so I needed to give myself to this cause. I believe that God cares about people. And when I learned that at that time it was affecting over 20 million people, but it was in zero percent of the conversations that I had on a daily weekly or annual basis then I realized that if I had a if I was burdened by something then maybe it was something for me to put my hand to do and the more that I learned about it the more I realized that this was the same thing just dressed up in a fancy title that my ancestors were plagued with Mm. and then it became personal Mm. then I was offended Mm. So human trafficking is just a fancy term dressed up for modern day slavery because people don't like to talk about slavery, but we can have open dialogue at any time about human trafficking. And so I realized that um, that this experience or this this burden that I had, I believe was an ancient assignment for my life. Because me being a descendant of individuals who are trafficked and enslaved, I always wonder what were their prayers like? <laughs> what did they want the most? And I think that they wanted a Moses. I think they wanted somebody that was going to set them free. And I tell people that I believe that I was the answer to prayer. I just didn't come in their time, but I'm still here because slavery's still here. Child preach. Uh, and so that film which is why i'm an advocate for art that cinematic art piece burdened me so much so that it caused me to be moved to action and that's my that's my moment a movie and one thing that i think people (laughs) fail to uh understand too is that uh, human trafficking is like big business. Like there's a there's an industry yeah. around it's this. It's the second yeah. largest crime on the planet. Yeah, second largest. Next, the only thing, the only crime greater is um, drug trafficking. Drug trafficking, human trafficking, and weapons. Wow, it grosses over a hundred and fifty billion dollars per year. Yeah. Over forty. 0.3 million people are people are sold a year. Less than one percent of people are rescued a year. Wow! So you mean to tell me that this isn't a problem? Let me let me uh, let me talk about some of those statistics. You know, uh, because you just mentioned the 150 um, billion dollar price tag that it has on it. Uh, according to the um, International Labor Organization, human trafficking earns profits of roughly 150 dollars, uh, 150 billion dollars a year. Uh, for traffickers, according to an ILO report, mm-hmm. um, and they break it down by, um, by sector. So, ninety-nine billion dollars um, from commercial uh, sexual exploitation, thirty-four billion dollars in construction, manufacturing, mining, and utilities, 
um, nine billion in agriculture and in, in including forestry and fishing, eight billion dollars in save um, is saved annually for private households to employ domestic workers under conditions of forced labor. So um, this is those when you hear those numbers, like it's just it's absolutely just mind boggling. Just how staggering those numbers are. Yeah. Yeah. And on top of that, I'm a black woman. Yeah. So how come I, why wouldn't I care that slavery still exists? Yeah. Like, yeah. honestly, when I deal with the trauma, when I think about the trauma that has been passed on, um, what people would say, what well, post-traumatic slave syndrome and all these different things that we see, all the systems that arose, uh, that, that have come and been birthed out of slavery and that in those times, like, I wouldn't wish what I go through on a daily basis on my worst enemy. And so I don't have a choice but to do this. Mm-hmm. But I believe in fighting for holistic freedom, not just freedom physically, but freedom, period. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I should write a book called Freedom, Period. You should. What? You absolutely it should. It will write itself. <laughs> New York Times bestseller. Yes. Like, instantly. Oh, my God. So, like, no, I'm dead ass. You should definitely write that listen, book. Listen, it might come from a walk. It, it, it well, could. listen, the copyright is here. <laughs> okay, this is the copyright. This is the copyright. You're, You're welcome. welcome. Well, you in the house. Give us, just give us a little shout out. <laughs> give, a, give a shout out to the B-Suite itself. <laughs> but she has copyrighted the name. So. Yeah. But, um... It, oh man, so my question is, you know, is this something that happens around here or, you know, this is like other countries, right? This isn't in our country. So this that's why not. I went overseas first, because I thought that it was just other countries. Mm-hmm. And then when I found out overseas that this was like, they were like, no, this is like so terrible in your country. And then this girl pulled up a, a art, not an article, but a map of all the the beds that were available specifically for human trafficking victims in the nation. And it showed that there, that there were beds available in Buffalo and homeless shelter and shelters for the unhoused. But there was absolutely none in my hometown for specifically for human trafficking victims. I was ashamed and embarrassed Mm. because here I am doing this stuff all over the Mm -hmm. world and haven't done and haven't, opened up one house mm-hmm. so I the my next move was I came back here I made the announcement I still maintained everything all my other shelters in Indian Nepal and Guatemala and and while I'm running that I opened this mm-hmm. and um and we've been able to um allow ourselves to be used by the women to um who are doing the hard and brave work to rebuild their lives mm-hmm. and Start businesses, go to school, start families. Um, Y'all can't see the smile on her face right now. I mean, she's clearly thinking of very specific examples. And I want to get into that um, momentarily because I want to talk about you know what you can talk about, um, some of the success stories that you uh, that you got. But yeah. uh, before we do that, I, I want to kind of go back just a little bit about you know we talk about industry. And, you know, one of the things I know that you're really adamant against is the pornography industry. Um, so can you talk about how, what role does the pornography industry play in human trafficking? Okay, well, first let me say that I have watched porn before. I remember back in the day when, um, do you remember the box? Oh, my God. <laughs> you remember you had to call that in, channel, yeah. press your three or four yeah. numbers, and they'll play your music video. Yeah, well, yeah. at 10 o'clock at night, yeah. the box would turn into the Spice Channel. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. And, and, I remember if, that. And if your parents had the little box box, I'm not saying that my parents did, but if your parents did, <laughs> then maybe there was some sleepovers, and we couldn't wait till that box channel would come on. And then it would be like, and it basically was a porn channel yeah. at, at night. And so... um what and so I was exposed to porn at a really young age and um I mean that that goes into a little bit of my story but uh you know I kind of grew out of that I didn't I didn't like it once I got to like high school or anything like that um in college but when I learned when I opened up Project Mona's house I realized that there were like three women in our in our residence who had videos on websites um, like Pornhub and a couple others, but their traffickers recorded them and put them up there. Mm. And so, wow, sending letters, sending emails for like the last two, two and a half years, 
asking for those videos to be removed, explaining the situation, having open conversations with um, people who said that they could help. Um, it was not until PayPal, American Express, Visa, and MasterCard found out about an article that a man from the New York Times named Nicholas Kirstoff wrote entitled The Children of Pornhub. Mm. Where he used real life people, mm. their names and everything, who were who still had videos and were being exploited um, on Pornhub mm -hmm. that Pornhub refused to take down. It wasn't until that article was written and it went completely viral mm -hmm. that that these credit processing companies said, "Uh uh, if you have our cards, you cannot use it at that site." Mm -hmm. Do you know within twenty four hours? They took down over 10 million videos. Mm -hmm. But prior the to fact this... The they got so many up there like that, that's... Incredible. The fact that they could do it in 24 hours because the credit processor said that they were going to um, not allow people to renew their subscriptions. You know, it was hitting them in their pockets. Yeah. That tells you that it's... People might say, oh, well, yay, they did it. No, it, they didn't do it because they were an honorable company. They did it because this is an economic decision. This it was, was not a moral. Again, this is not a moral choice. Making money off of the bodies of children. Mm -hmm. They can't be held like legally um, liable for like child exploitation of child pornography or anything like that. They they haven't they haven't as of yet. But you know, like um, I brought. I think Jamil, maybe for the first gala that y'all came to, I'm not sure if you was at that gala over at Seneca Street. No, um, no, no, that wasn't the first one. Okay, well, I brought a woman who's, I brought a mother here because I wanted a different perspective. I brought a mother to Buffalo to talk about how her daughter was trafficked on Backpage.com. And it was actually her case after being showcased on Netflix um, that made it to the U.S. Supreme Court. And it's because of that that the CEO of Backpage and all those people, they end up being imprisoned. Because they knew that there were girls being bought and sold on their site, but they didn't put up any um, security measures to prevent that. If we post, if we go live on Facebook right now and you got Beyonce playing in the background and we do not put, we do not own rights to the song, what's going to happen? Yeah, they're going to take, they take it down. They're going to know exactly what song it is. Mm -hmm. The technology to prevent a lot of this stuff already exists. Mm -hmm. And now we know it. Because in, two, in less than 24 hours, you took down, took down 10, 10 million, million videos. That means you had the power to do it all along. Yeah. You just didn't want to because it was lining your pockets. Your pockets were being fattened off the bodies of babies being the object of a grown person's desire for sexual gratification. Wow. So because an adult wanted an orgasm from watching a kid, y'all kept these videos of kids up there. Horrible. Yeah, when you, especially when you put it like that. Yeah, that's I mean, like, that's but that's exactly sickening. that's sickening. it's sickening, and that's exactly what it is. And the problem is that we don't we don't make it that clear, you know. Um, it's just it it's an epidemic. It it's is horrible. It is, and then you know, there's a market for people who want to have sex with kids. You have people right now trying to legalize pedophilia by calling it a, a like what? an actual sexual orientation. Like, That's this is what I nah, want to do. See, nah. It's, it's, nah. So, I mean, yeah, I mean... I'm not saying anything because this is the first I'm hearing about it and I'm shook. That's absolutely disgusting. Yeah. I'm shook and I have yeah. questions, but this is not the venue for that. Yeah, wow. and then on top of that... um, my thing is, like, so some people are like, well, Kelly, you know, I don't watch people. I don't watch videos where people are not being trafficked, where people are being trafficked. I'm just like, how do you know? You don't know. They're literally, if you go on Pornhub right now, I, all, I, I was on another podcast, and they wanted to watch porn. So we went to the porn website. And I was like, point to which one of these videos is of a, a person that wants to be a victim of human trafficking and who doesn't. They couldn't. Why? Because it's not layered. They have tons of filters on these websites, but that's not one of the filters. Uh -huh. And the job of a, a human trafficking victim is, in order to not be beat, is to look like she wants to be a part of this, you know, or he, you know. And when you call it slavery, 
that really gives you the context to understand Mm -hmm. that this person has no choice. Exactly. They're not choosing to be involved in this. So the conversation isn't one about is porn good or bad. The conversation is porn is a tool used to enslave innocent people. Mm-hmm. And and to oppress them. Yes. But then when you partake in it, whether you love it or not. You're a part you of the problem. you a part of the oppressor. And so my thing is, if you love to make videos that bad or you love to watch sex videos, then by golly, get your girl, get your guy, make your, make own, your own or something like that. You know? And bam. Yeah. Wow. Wow. That's, wow. That's just mind-blowing. <laughs> this is... Uh, all right, uh, <laughs> moving on. Um, when we look at, you know, this, the atrocities of um, human trafficking, um, oftentimes we see, you know, men as the perpetrators of, of this. Um, even though we know it, it goes, you know, we look at uh, what happened with, uh, what's the old boy's name? Jeffrey Epstein. Jeffrey Epstein oh. and, you know, um, and old girl who was um, aiding and abetting him. Mm-hmm. But um, you do have individuals, men out there who... You know, obviously they're not like they they don't you know subscribe to any of that 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 nonsense. What role do you see men playing in this in 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 this fight against you know human trafficking? The duty or the impact that men can make in ending human trafficking is the same impact that white people can make ending racism. We need it. We can't do it without them. Mm. Men make up for. Uh, some of the largest amount of consumers, especially when it comes to sex trafficking. So there's different types of human trafficking, labor, servitude, military, organ harvesting. But if you want to just talk about specifically sex trafficking, the largest consumers are men. And so we need men to be able to, number one, end it, but also speak to other men. Because a lot of times if it's just me talking, I sound like I'm just nagging. Right. And so we need men to say, you know what, I'm going to I'm going to learn as much as I can about this subject and I'm going to champion this issue. I'm going to come alongside you. So men, wherever they are, if they're in music and entertainment, um, sports, if they're in finance, if they're in communications, medicine, we need all men to say, you know what, I am going to come alongside Initiatives like Project Monus House, it doesn't just have to be Project Monus House, but I'm going to come alongside initiatives like this, lock arms, and I'm going to be an abolitionist. It's either you're going, like, once you know about it, once you know that slavery exists, you're either going to be an abolitionist or you're going to allow it to continue to happen. It's you, 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 like, with this situation, you can't be neutral because your silence is your endorsement. And that's how I feel. You know, it's um, a couple of years ago, I had the opportunity to honor uh, Kelly at the Chainsmakers 30 and the 30 Awards without Humanitarian Award. And, um, you know, I talk about this often. You know, she she had this amazing speech, mm. amazing speech there mm-hmm. when she talked about, you know, uh, I'm a paraphrase a lot, <laughs> but um, she talked about leaving this world on empty, you know, really giving this Amen. world all that you have. Amen. Right. Um, and then at that moment, that's when something clicked inside of me. And I realized that, you know, I have a voice, I have influence, I have a platform. I need to use that, you know, against this atrocity right mm-hmm. here. And that's at that at that moment, that's when I realized I don't know what I can do. I don't know. I'm, this is not something that I'm well versed on at mm-hmm. all. Um, but like as you said, I, I can educate myself a little bit. Yeah. You know, and not asking for you to be a scholar or nothing. Right. I'm just saying, take the time to learn about it. Yeah, and and that's why you know I decided to you know give my time, my my resources, my energy to fight an issue like this. Um, and you know one of those things that we're going to be uh, uh, in, uh, embarking in is this incredible oh nine hundred and two mile walk called the Freedom yes. Walk. Where did that idea even come from, Kelly? I was mad. Like, <laughs> That's where my best ideas come from. <laughs> I mean, don't I, re- get me I really was upset, and I don't get upset often. Like, yeah. to me, like I love to laugh, but um, in 2019, I sat in my bed. It was like 11, almost, it was almost midnight on Juneteenth, and I was just scrolling through Instagram, because um, that's mainly when I do my social media, and I did not, I saw one anti-trafficking organization acknowledge Juneteenth, and my blood began to boil. Mm. Because how can you say that you're an 
that you're an anti-trafficking abolitionist and you not mention, make mention of Juneteenth, which is the, the, the day of freedom for the largest legal human trafficking ring to ever exist in the United States of America. How can you not even mention it? And ignorance is not, is not permitted right here because we fight slavery. And if you're going to use the term modern day slavery, you must admit or acknowledge or at least learn, well, if we're going to call something, I'm a modern day abolitionist and we fight modern day slavery, then what slavery is it reflecting of? What is, right. this, what is it re- referring to in the past? Right. So like, I'm not a fan to willful ignorance. And so selective ignorance, selective ignorance as well. Yeah. And I think that um, I, I at that time I just began to write. I'm like, man, I'm gonna write this amazing letter, mm-hmm. and it's gonna go viral and da 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 da. Mm-hmm. And I, but I was just like, you know what? Like, I believe in still being peaceful. So why why, why not take this as an opportunity to to teach? Mm. And so I was thinking, like, man. I'm going to just walk from Virginia all the way to Buffalo. I'm going to get back to Buffalo on Juneteenth. I'm going to figure out the walk, the walk backwards. And so I got on Facebook and I said, who wants to walk from Virginia to Lynchburg with me? <laughs> me, Yeah, from Virginia to Buffalo with me. And like 80 people was like, me, 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 me. They didn't even know what I was talking about. And so the next day I said, who wants to walk on the Underground Railroad with me? It was like 123 comments or something like that. Mm-hmm. Some crazy number. And then, um, and then I just started... I mean, I just started speaking it until it just started coming back together. I mean, I didn't know how to organize anything like that. And I just called one of my old housemates. I was like, hey, like, I know I know you like out of commission right now. But do you think like this is something that you would be willing to help me with? And she was like, you know, absolutely. She figured out the route every day. And I mean, just shout out to Jaleesa because she really she really holds me down. Yeah. Coach Jaleesa. And honestly, that's how the walk came from. I mean, that's where the walk came from because people didn't say Happy Juneteenth on their social media pages, <laughs> and I was upset because. But you know, that's such a that's something that a lot of people wouldn't even notice, right? That's something nobody would notice, right? Mm-hmm. But the the indignation that you felt is so important mm-hmm. to re- because, and I was just talking about this today. Like we just don't. I think I was talking about it with you, actually. We don't understand our history enough, mm. you know? And and it's a gift and a curse that you do. Mm-hmm. Because you understand your history, you're able to apply it now yeah. and understand what, what the ancestors did to get us here. But also, you see that willful ignorance mm-hmm. on, on the... And, and that ignorance that perpetuates white supremacy, right? In, in a fight that only became acceptable to talk about in a mainstream society when it wasn't couched in race. Come on. And so that's why you got pissed off. And that's why I would get mad too, Mm -hmm. you know? And so instead of, and I, you know, I'm, I'm with your thought process because instead of trying to tell people why this is important and cram it down their throats, you like, no, we go in the long way. Mm-hmm. We're going to go the long way and y'all going to y'all going to have to hear me every step of the way that this these are inextricably linked. You can't say you're an abolitionist and not talk about the African diaspora. You can't do it. This is anyways. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I mean, but I've I've since had conversations with these organizations and I have challenged them in this area. And I think that that's love. I think I think that me writing an open letter to them without addressing them personally, I don't think that that would have been that would be me acting out of anger, and um, and I always want to be ruled by love, and so I reached out to them and we had these conversations and they te- they definitely and totally understand. But the reason why you know we're gonna walk some of the footsteps of Harriet Tubman, mm-hmm. Henry Box Brown, the man who mailed himself to freedom. Mm-hmm. He put himself in a box mm-hmm. and mailed himself to freedom. But then he was talking too much and then the word spread. And so then they started checking other boxes when people was getting caught. Mm-hmm. But then you have Will- William and Ellen Craft, where Ellen, her father was um, um, the, her oppressor. And so she came out looking like a white woman. Mm-hmm. And so she dressed up like a man. 
and her husband, she made him look like he was her servant, mm-hmm. and they just got in a in a in a um in a horse and carriage, and they rode straight on to freedom. She used her privilege of mm-hmm. being fair, being you know white skinned, and um and so we're gonna take the journey of people like that and other freedom seekers who still we don't know their names, but we know that they made it to um to freedom, and so um I want to. I want to feel that journey. I want to be super present. I'm challenging myself to write and document every day. Um, in addition to this being filmed, it's going to be a movie mm-hmm. as well. And um, part of the grant that I got um, a year ago to do some film work um, was that I would work on creating something that would be educational. Mm-hmm. And so this, this is, is educational. Oh, yeah. Y'all going to the- get all this good Listen, education. Th- this is the education that we don't get from the traditional school system. Mm-hmm. So speaking of education, you know, you, I mean, you, we're experiencing it right now in this podcast line. You're, you're such an amazing teacher. Right? Yeah. Um, you, you do such a fantastic job of just educating people. Um, I, I want to talk, like go back to this trafficking thing for a second, okay. because it's, it's such a, it's, it, we need to, you know, we need to make sure that we're speaking out more against it. Um, how do we spot it? Like, Ooh. how do as as a, as That's someone? That's a great question. How do we, you know? You know, someone like like myself. You know, like again, we we know that this stuff is happening right under our noses. It happens mm-hmm. right here in our city. Yeah, yeah, I mean, so much so I created a film about it called Soul Next Door, mm-hmm. based right here in Buffalo, New York. Um, and sometimes I, I mean, honestly, Jamil, the hardest part of my job is convincing United States citizens that you know, that human trafficking happens in the United States, and then, um, and then sometimes it's convincing Black people that it happens to Black people, and convincing White people that it happens to White people. And so in my film, I put a Black girl and a White girl. I talked about the city, and I talked about. Um, the suburbs. I talked about what it's like to be in foster care and the daughter of a decorated military veteran. And so there you go. Mm-hmm. And um, and we use that information to um, open up people's minds because or open up people's eyes because the eye does not see what the brain does not know. And so that is why I put such a great emphasis on education. For instance, um, for individuals who work in the medical field, we have an entire track because while I'm busting my butt trying to look for human trafficking victims, human trafficking victims are looking for medical attention, whether it's a dentist, whether it's an abortion clinic, whether it's an emergency room um, uh, personnel. I think that it's definitely you know, beneficial for people to go through like our free one-on-one class, but in if you find somebody and they have, and especially if it's like a group of people and they all got like the same tattoo, we sometimes consider that branding. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're in a group, especially with foreign nationals or um, and one person is speaking for everybody, um, I'm not saying that that is, but that could be um, a sign that something illegal is happening, um, especially if it's like a group of farmers, a group of migrant workers, a group um, people working in fields, um, wineries, dairy farms, apple farms, chicken farms. Um, um, like you said, I think when you read something um, in fishing and forestry, um, mostly fishing, that's international, not necessarily here in the United States. But um, if you if you see a group of people and they don't even know what city that they're in, that might be a, a red flag that, that people are being trafficked. If you're walking up the strip, and I know a lot of people says what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, but I'm telling you, every single person, every single American person, I should say, that is in Project Mona's house has been forced to work on the strip in, in Las Vegas, Nevada. And so while you think that, oh, these people just want to be here because Las Vegas is known as a place for nightlife, you can look up stories like Rebecca Bender, where her or her daughter um, and herself stayed with their trafficker and, and a couple other individuals, but her trafficker told her if she did not bring home $1,500 a night, then he was going to put her daughter out on the strip as well. Wow. Because why? There's a market for that. Wow. Um. In addition to that, um, nail shops. I remember yeah. I was ta- I was talking. If you um, Google like my name and Channel Two News of like three years ago, something like um, safety in the suburbs or something. It, they they have a, a snippet in that art in that um, 
in that two-part video series where a Chinese woman was finally caught and convicted of human trafficking. She was running a trafficking ring from Ohio through Buffalo all the way to New York City. I think she was grossing, I know it had an eight. It's either 18 or $80 million untaxed. Wow. Restaurants, nail shops. And she was selling people to nail shops and restaurants. Nail for shops, labor. massage parlors, restaurants. Yeah. Remember the young white guy just did all the killing down in Georgia mm-hmm. because he wanted to, it, like, he, he wanted to um, rid himself of sexual temptation. These were Asian women at massage parlors. The minute I saw the article, I said, those are human trafficking victims. Those massage parlors are doubling as as brothels. Mm-hmm. And then now all of a sudden, oh, we now we're suspecting that they're this. Well, he was telling y'all where the locations were. Yeah. Yes, he he targeted Asian women. But the big another big crime that we should be talking about is that these are are probably brothels. Because why was he going? Through, why did he go just to Asian massage parlors? Right. They're number one in they're they're known as massage Asian Asian. Asian massage parlors are known as like one of the number one brothels in the United States of America. So, um, definitely look at places like that. It is so hard. I mean, cause you, you think about it, you make, especially those of us who go to Asian nail shops, you know, our nail girl becomes our friend and all of a sudden she disappears. Mm-hmm. She's a friend for a couple of years and she gone. Mm-hmm. Like, well, where does she go? Oh, she just somewhere, you know, you know, it's just different. And it doesn't mean that it's always trafficking. Right. But it could be. Um, also, um, when you see like a, 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 a group of girls or boys, what have you, um, or not even a group. Let's just let's talk about truancy issues in school. If a kid that always used to come to school is all of a sudden now having truancy issues, like, why are they not coming to school? What's going on? If they're if they were a bright child and now all of a sudden they're they they're still bright but they're sleeping all day during school hours, well, what are they doing at night? I did a presentation at Sweet Home High School. Um, Dr. Kelly Lucci invited me, and she was talking to me, and two girls and one boy walked up and interrupted our conversation. So she stepped back and she was listening in. And she was telling me, she and, and she was all, at least, like, in the middle of telling me, like, Kelly, like, this is an issue out here. And two girls came to me with their cell phones and, like, hey, do you know this guy? And I was like, I don't know him personally, but I just shared this article with his face on it. And it got, like, 700 shares on Facebook. And basically, it was a, a good-looking black man from western New York who was trafficking girls out of a motel on Niagara Falls Boulevard. And the youngest girl was 14. Here he is in the DMs of these little girls and one little boy. No. Trying to do the same thing no. he was convicted of. But the thing is, he quit responding to them. Because I'm telling you, like the boy, he was handsome. I can say this because he was over the age of like 24 or 25 or something like that. He was an adult. And if I would have seen him in real life, I would have said, he is a handsome guy. And so inevitably, these little girls will be attracted to him. Yeah. And so um, he wasn't like trying like any like with the with the boy. He was just offering him like, yo, you you want to make a thousand dollars a night? One of the girls, he's offering her money. Then the other girl, he was offering her, like, a good time, like, trying to wine and dine her. But then that's also ways that traffickers get, you know, um, access to, 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 to the people they're trying to exploit. They try to act like they're their boyfriend or girlfriend. That's one of the biggest issues that we have at Project Wonders House is reframing their speech. Because my boyfriend didn't know, honey, he's not your boyfriend. He was your exploiter. He was your trafficker. He was your oppressor. So... I, I'm, and maybe this is not a good question, but I, I'm wondering, like, when he's when this when individuals are like recruiting, and especially with these young children, 14 years old and maybe even younger, are they doing that to you make them sex traffickers? Is it for that? Per- I mean, especially when you're talking about kids from the U.S., like what? I think that people want power, they want money, and they realize that selling people is easier than selling drugs. If you got 10 dime bags, when you sell all 10 dime bags, you got to re-up. But you can sell that one person 
over and over and over and over again. It, there is no re-up. So you don't have to, you know, you can make more money off of a human than you can make selling drugs. And so people went from selling, some people still sold drugs, but some people realize that selling people is a is a thing. And so they prey on the vulnerable, the, those who feel alone, those who have broken homes. Um, the number one targeted population in the United States are foster children and runaways. Yeah, so that's okay. where my girls program comes okay. in, the Young Women's Empowerment Academy. Mm-hmm. So when my homegirl Lisa was like, hey, Kelly, I started this amazing program in Harrisburg. I said, I got to bring this to Buffalo. Mm-hmm. And lo and behold, what do you mean? We got girls that are being trafficked. Mm. So the thing is like chasing after chasing after those populations. Once I learned that refugees are a vulnerable population, I find refugees, mm-hmm. which is, you know, I'm on the board of Feed Buffalo, mm-hmm. you know, and a large population that we serve are refugees. Mm-hmm. And so So it could be for anything. Yeah, it could, it could be, be for anything. anything. It could be for labor, it could be yeah. for sex. It like, or something it could be one thing this year, something else. Yeah, you but know, all next this year. happens repetitively like mm. The thing is, like, I I believe in prevention. Yes, my, my home is more, like, it's reactive. It's already happened. Mm-hmm. So, like, that's why podcasts like this, to me, I consider this outreach. So now maybe somebody listening, like, oh, man, I used to watch porn all the time. Like, I literally did... I literally did one of these podcasts, and both of the hosts was like, yo, I'm not watching porn no more. Mm-hmm. And then I just did another one, another one, and two out of the three was like, all right, I'm not going to watch porn no yeah. more. And then some of the listeners like, oh, yeah, I'm done. I mean, porn was already problematic, you know, from an addictive point of view anyway. But to know that there's this side of it as well, just it's so repulsive. Yeah, we tell the story that it was a mother who was missing her 15-year-old daughter for over a year. And she found her in 58 videos on Pornhub. You know who keeps coming to mind this whole time? R. Kelly. But we have keep, you, you. You have marches like they just did a march with a couple a month and a half ago, like Free R. Kelly. Yeah, really? in Chicago. Mm. Yeah, wow. and so my wow. thing is like we feed into this narrative. Like I don't know what it is. Like at the end of the day, like he forged, he forged a mar- uh, 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 what is it like a consent form with her parents so he could marry a little girl. Oh, you're talking about Aaliyah. And then here I am yeah. jamming to AJ. Nothing but a number. Right. Oh yes, it is. It's a little bit more than a number now, sir. But you, you see what I'm saying? Like we get so desensitized. I've had then, to. I've had people tell me I'll never not dance to "Step in the Name of Love." I'm like, oh, okay, okay. Well, well, really, they're stepping into the name of exploitation. Right. Have fun with that. Right. So I mean, like at some point, we have to draw the line. And I think that even when it comes to fighting for justice, even with our ancestors that that were, were like paving the way in the civil rights movement, like they realize the power that we have. When we really cut stuff off, but we we we're so fickle and cutting it off, and so you know, like I promise you, like whoever said that, if that was, what if it was their daughter? Yeah, they'd be ready to fight you if you said that to yeah. them. But it wasn't their kid, so right. they didn't care. Right. And so I think that we should start to care a lot sooner before it hits our household because sometimes things got a, a crazy way of coming back around. Mm-hmm. And life has a, a way and, of, of humbling us. Mm-hmm. And people don't send out the the search parties for little black girls and little black boys like they do everybody else. And I mean, I, that's, that's in comparison to white people, really, mm-hmm. because we know refugees and people from other countries, they don't send out the search parties either because mm-hmm. people don't know where they are. And it's just, this is just extremely heartbreaking. Yeah. This is just extremely heartbreaking. And to know that it's infiltrated mainstream society in the way that it has with such little awareness is is on purpose. This is not an accident. That. I believe that. Mm-hmm. So we know that there is such, you know, this darkness, this dark side to... Uh, human trafficking, but there's also another side too, right? There's this side where you know people actually get rescued from um, from these atrocities, and uh, we we spoke a little bit about that earlier, and we kind of kind of coming up on time, but um, I want you um, to kind of briefly talk about you know just some of those uh, incredible success stories that that you know you've been able to be a part of, um, some lives that you've been able to turn around uh, through your work with um, Project Mona's House and. Um, and everything that you're doing uh, regarding human trafficking? Well, 
I love that that you brought that up because yeah, it's a dark side, but it's a lot of people out here that want to do good. Yeah, right? and so that I I believe that that's my my dream team, my squad. And so um, we developed Project Mona's House, and what that does is we we spread awareness. The first part is called Mona's Outreach, and we reach about like twenty thousand people a year. And I want to I, I want that number to increase. I believe this year after the walk is going to increase oh, yeah. a lot. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then, um, then we do Mona's Group, and that's a restorative group and case management that I offer to women who've been victims of human trafficking, women who've willingly entered into the sex industry. And people who've been victimized, women who've been victimized by any form of sexual abuse and or assault. And so we have like a restoring the seed curriculum that we take them through. And so I have that in a couple of different cities around the United States. And that is the, the first piece if you want to open a Mona's house. And so the group has to run successfully for a year and a half before I plant in those cities. So right now we're in 12 cities and um, that feeds into my my goal to be able to open a Mona's house in every state. And so now we have Mona's house, uh, which is a restorative place where I say women come in as victims, they're transformed into survivors, but by the time they leave, they're overcomers, meaning that what used to have power over them, they now have power over it. I think that it is um, bad language and, and poor expectations for us to say, I just, I'm a survivor. I just want to survive mm. because surviving means I'm just trying not to die. Mm -hmm. And I believe life is so much more rich mm -hmm. than that, that we should not only live, but we should thrive. Mm -hmm. And so survivor is just a, a, um, a part of the journey. Uh, we don't stop there. And then now uh, we have um, our our Freedom Center. Ooh, which that Freedom Center <laughs> Oh, my God. I love it. Oh I, just, um, I just so interviewed amazing. somebody for employment and, like, she couldn't even focus because she, she was like, can we just do a tour? I'm like, I, I got somewhere to be, sis. And so I let her just give her to, I mean, like, she was just, I just want to walk around. So I love that. People love that space and, and the children love it and the women love it. It's so dignified. And I want people to feel safe. It is. It does feel safe. Safe it and welcoming safe and, and just, and you got this Big old picture of Queen Mother Harriet Tubman mm, looking right amazing, there. Amazing and thank you. Idris. Yeah, shout out to Idris for that. And um and I mean we just have so many like different nooks and crannies there and um and we provide programming. I mean, to me it's 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 first class programming, full counseling for people, um, girls and women who've been victimized by human trafficking and their families. Um, learning how to start a business. We have um, a STEM center, music center, art center, training, um, computer, Apple computer labs. So they can podcast, video, edit videos and photos and all those different things. And like a little wellness room where they can get some like aromatherapy and some um, stretching and even yoga in that room. It's a state of the art, like just... Yeah place um I, so i want to do that and i want to do it big yeah and i mean it, you know what my dream has always been ever since i was a, a kid um i used to get in a lot of trouble and the one i went to a community center um the delvin greider community center and, and the director at that time said you know i heard about you and if you bring that fighting and stuff in here you can never come back here so i stayed out of trouble because i wanted to be there mm. and i hope to create that same place where people are like and i can say listen listen as long as you stay out of trouble you can come here mm -hmm. and um and i've always just wanted to have like a community center like a big one though like with gyms and oh, you'll pools have and stuff like that maybe later on in life but i, I want it to be called the freedom center yeah so, can yeah. you real quick can you just talk about your radical yes? Oh yeah, I <laughs> I um I live by the model of of waking up daily and telling myself, telling God, and telling my community and my family that I'm giving them a radical yes. And to me, that's a yes that makes absolutely no sense. But the thing is, the, when it's radical, it doesn't need to make sense. It just needs to be assigned to your purpose. Girl. And I I <sighs> believe a couple years ago, I had a um, a collision with destiny, and that. Um, um, this woman is amazing <laughs> and it was the day before Jamil's 30 under 30 event and and, and he, like he referenced the speech I made before that was not written that was not scripted that was literally, literally from the heart and I tell people that um, you know my brother was killed January 5th in 1998 and I just began to live under my potential 
And for some reason, I just felt led to go to the cemetery. I was ready to see his resting place that, that, that at that time. And so I went there, and then the words of Dr. Miles Monroe came to my head. And, and, it, was, and it was when he posed a question like, where's the richest place in the world? And, you know, people were yelling out from the audience, like, London, Dubai, and all oh, that stuff. Gosh. And he said, no, he said, it's the graveyard. Mm-hmm. And he said that there's so much potential that's in those graves. And that's how I was standing over my brother's probably, you know, ashes at this point. Um, I was just looking around, and I was just like, I wonder how rich this cemetery is. And I realized that I didn't want to go to the grave full. And in order for me to die empty it was going to require a radical yes a yes that was not going to be crippled or stifled by fear or doubt or other people's opinions of what I what they felt like I should be doing it was going to be a radical yes that was going to allow me to exit islands of uncertainty to be able to pursue the passions that God put on the inside of me and do it unapologetically my radical yes, I feel like, unlocks not just my own freedom, but the freedom of others. Uh, I remember my pastor told me one time, he said, somebody's destiny is dependent on you being obedient to who you were called Amen. to be. And so my radical what? yes puts me in a position <laughs> to be available for others who need me. Wow. I believe that there's generations that are waiting on me to show up as me. Mm. I believe that there's communities waiting on me to show up as me. Mm. And my radical yes is just the door that allows me to to access that. It's my access point. And so um, for everybody listening, like you have to find out what your radical yes is. If your radical yes Mm -hmm. is stepping out of the boat, because miracles never happen for boat people. Miracles only happen for water walkers. People, scary people are not remembered in history. Damn. 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 (laughs) told y'all Damn. I told y'all what this podcast is gonna be about <laughs> I told you I don't know if we was ready and I I I don't know if I ever fell in love this fast <laughs> listen I'm telling you man this is love Kelly, you are such uh an amazing, oh my amazing God. soul you we know, got that last question yeah no we do but I, before we get to that last question I just want to <laughs> tell you I, I I love you immensely uh-huh. You know, I love you for all of the things that you that you're doing, how you've dedicated your life and just your all into into something that's greater than yourself. It's incredible. You know, and it's it's so incredible. And I'm I'm so honored just to not only call you a friend, but you know, I'm I'm your accomplice in this as well. Yes. You know, yes. I'm your accomplice Snapping. in this. So um I told her man, today. Man. I know. I, I told her today, because this is only the well, the fourth time, but the th- third day (laughs) that we've actually like met right Mm -hmm. and i told her today earlier this is the third time second day no well i'm talking about the 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 press conference oh well that that kind of counts but like actually connecting third time right and i told her today i was like we just met but i know you Mm -hmm. i know you and i don't know how but i know (laughs) you and that's all i'm gonna say i agree i agree because some people think that i'm I know that I'm awkward. I know that I have an awkward personality. But she was just like, you're a processor. And I'm like, I am. <laughs> like, people normally take that as me being rude or something. But when you see, when you speak, I see. Mm-hmm. Because I'm a visioneer. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm a visioneer. Like, I engineer vision. I'm a midwife. So whatever God put on the inside of you, like, it's my gift to help you birth that thing out. And so... I love being around pregnant people, you know, and and that's a part of you leaving stuff on earth. So I'm attracted to people who have something to live to leave on this earth. And my assignment is to help everybody die empty. Mm. I know that. And so I and that is freedom. Freedom Amen. is being able to die empty. Yeah. When you're true. oppressed, you cannot maximize your full potential. No. And so that that's what I'm fighting against the systems that want people to die full. Kelly, what does being black mean to you? <laughs> that's the last question. That's, that's the what last y'all do question. here. Okay, all right. Being black mm, for me means to be 
held hostage by hope to be, to rest in the resilience of our God and our ancestors, to be able to make eye contact and a head nod and be fully understood by other black people, to being black smells like my mother's kitchen. Mm. <laughs> it feels like my grandmother's hugs. It is it is beautiful and brave and and vulnerable all at the same time. Being black is to be powerful because because that's what we're forced to be. We're forced to be who we've always been and that is to be powerful. And to be black is also to be um, divine because the skin that, that I'm wearing, God made it. And it's mine. And to be black is me. This woman writes poetry. <laughs> yes. Oh, that my was God. my God. My God. Like, you just made me just fall in love all over again with just being black. You really I did. I love it. Like, I, I absolutely love it. And the, the world is, we are ready for the world to open up. Yes. I don't know if the world is ready for us, yeah. but we are ready. Yeah. <laughs> but no, we, uh, we appreciate you. We, we honor you. We appreciate Support you. Support Project Mona's yes. House. How can people connect with Project Mona's House and all of the, the Freedom Center, the walk, everything, like, you know, plug all of this stuff for us, Listen, Kelly. I want you to I want you to follow Project Mona's House on Instagram and follow the the Free Them, T-H-E-M, the Free Them Walk. And I want you to um, get the best the best gift you can sell. <laughs> <laughs> and I want you to go online and, and, and to www.projectmonas, M-O-N-A-S, house.com. Or if you want to support Jamil as the as the one of the, the hosts of this, this wonderful podcast, you can go to www.thefreethemwalk.com. Click donate and find his team. Or you can find my team and maybe help me raise more money nah, than him. Nah, she's definitely going <laughs> to raise more money than me, but so I need all the help that I can get, y'all. Yeah, okay, yeah. Y'all can stick with Jamil. Y'all can stick with Jamil. So then also... Um, yeah. Or support them both. Double yeah. your oh, donation. You yeah, double your donation. Double your donation. Man. Yeah. Don't split it. Double it. <laughs> <laughs> you said I, you see, I was specific. Then. See, listen. And then, I mean, and then um, also... Sign up for our one-on-one class, our human trafficking one-on-one class. Just be educated. It's free. It's an hour of your time, and you won't forget. You won't forget it. And um, and I think that's it. Man, we love you. I love y'all. And everything that you do for for humanity. So thank you. Um, thank y'all for listening today. Yeah. You can catch us on all major podcast streaming platforms. You can follow us at the B Sweet Podcast on Instagram, at B Sweet on at B Sweet Podcast on Facebook, and you can find us online at the B Sweet dot com podcast Make sure you follow Shatora at underscore Shatora on Instagram. Follow myself Jamil uh, at Jamil Cruz on Instagram as well. So thank you guys so much. We uh, appreciate you guys for checking in with us, um, and we will catch up with you guys on the next podcast. Hey, peace. Deal.